Hey, it's Seeking Plum. So it feels like it's been quite a while, and maybe not as long as it's felt, but I've been in a really dark space, and I'm finally coming out of it, and it feels really refreshing. The body's chemistry is really impressive, but not always in a fun way. Anyway, in this dark space, uh, I was wallowing in the darkness of where society is right now. And this, every time you turn around, these, these terrible things that are happening in the world and the way we treat each other and the disregard and indifference. And it's really difficult to stomach. The loss of life is something we've, you almost have to grow numb to because it's so common. You hear about it almost every day, and it's hard to avoid, whether from the news or social media or hearing it from a friend. But now you're starting to see advertisements for school products, from backpacks to clipboards to whiteboards that can be used to protect your children against mass shootings. I saw footage of a raid road incident turn I have no words. A man pulls out a box cutter and starts swinging at this other man, and then later he steals the keys and he tries to. I, I, I can't. It's just I'm, I'm baffled at how we can treat each other this way. This most recent trip back to the states was a bigger culture shock than I think I've experienced, and I think I mentioned that before. It all weighs very heavy. In my attempt to climb out of this, I started thinking about change and how we go about that. In a recent episode of Akimba with Seth Godin, he talked about there being three motivators for learning, and those are status, fear, and shame. I think he's right, and I think that there are there is some validity to that, to those three points, but I wish that there was more. I'm hoping that there's more. The government attempts to deter us from negative behavior through fear of consequences and potentially shame and the possible loss of status, depending on what our position is in maybe our jobs or status with our friends and family and those who know us. But that deters us from doing things that are illegal, not encouraging us to do things that are good. I think that religion has, has the same kind of thing, but in the opposite direction. It uses fear and shame and consequences of, of hell, but also the promise of paradise, depending on, on what religion and what faith. And how you behave within that religious community also can reflect on your status and there can be shame in that as well. But it makes me think, do we always have to learn through these three methods of status, fear, and shame? I think if we didn't have the government telling us, you know, something that was illegal, for instance, let's choose murder. If the government didn't tell us that murder was bad and there would be consequences, or that religion did the same, I think we would still know that murder was bad, that we shouldn't do it. I 
think when it comes to community and living within society, the idea of good and bad, that definition changes over time. It's something that we define based on, based on the culture and the ecology that we're in. And that's why it seems like good and evil or good and bad change. But to some extent, I think there are things that will never change because we decide as humans what it is that we value. And then we define what is good and bad. That sounds a bit simplistic. I think there's too much gray in the world to be very black and white about it. That there are no absolutes. There's no complete good and complete bad. Okay, but if we learn through status, fear, and shame, which government deterrence, law and order, and even the religious setup is all designed around, it seems to create this transactional way of, of being, of living, of interacting with each other, to some extent anyway. I had someone tell me a few weeks ago that they believed everything we did in life, every interaction was transactional. And I'm not completely sold on that idea. And I'm not sure whether it's because I don't want to believe that's true. I know that in large, a large portion that it is true, but, but I don't want it to be 100% the case. When I'm out and about, I will often hold the door open for other people to go through. And when I was in Vegas, there was no exception. There were uh, two sets of doors at this one casino. And when I went through the door, the first set, I opened the door and held it open for the woman and the man behind me. And she did not put her hand out to catch the door. and. I think she said thank you, but I can't remember. The man behind her did put his hand up to catch the door so that uh, he then could follow through as well. We came to the second set of doors and she had already reached it before me. And uh, he, he, I guess he was standing there as well behind her. And they were just standing there waiting for me to open the door. And it was the strangest thing to me. I don't know if he was standing there as well because she was standing there, or I, I because I noticed her behavior more. She was standing there with her arms crossed, just staring at the door and then looking at me as if this was an expectation. It was quite obvious that I didn't work there because <laughs> I was holding a rather large bag full of, of things to be there at the casino for the day, plus a sweatshirt and so on, water bottle. So it wasn't like I <laughs> looked like I was staff, uh, but there was still this expectation. And I opened the door and they came out and uh, I, I just, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And this is a funny story to me because I think that to some extent this is a type of story that would be typically transactional where I would open the door and that person might say thank you and that is the transaction that is expected is nice is what you're hoping for right 
Is it required? No. I've had plenty of people who will not put their hand out to catch the door, who will not acknowledge the fact that I've held the door open for them. And it doesn't change whether I hold the door open the next time for someone else, or even whether, obviously, whether I would hold the door open again for this person, the same person. But it still leaves that slightly yucky taste in your mouth, you know? Which makes me ask questions about myself. What am I looking for? Do I want acknowledgement, appreciation? Like, what is it? And why do I need it? Why do I want it? Is it do really, do I even need it? You know, what is it, what is it, what is that all about? I kind of feel like this is one of those nuanced situations here where it's about seeing, acknowledging, and respecting each other. If I see that somebody is having a rough day, let's say it's in the airport and it's a staff person, or it's somebody at a, at a grocery store who works there, and I, I can go out of my way to make their lives more pleasant or easier because I'm seeing them, I'm acknowledging what they're experiencing them, and I can, experiencing, and I'm respecting that then I want to give that to them. And I think that, I guess th there's a hope that maybe that will be paid forward. Maybe that's what it is, is I just want it to be paid forward. Here's another story maybe to, to highlight that idea. A couple of months ago, I broke a toe, I think I mentioned, and for the first time, I decided to use one of those carts you can ride around in Walmart. I'd never used one of them before, and, I, and learning to drive one is a bit of a, it's a little small learning curve, but it is an adventure. Anyway, when I was done, and I went to bring it back to park it near the door there, I wanted to pull it in all the way, so I was out of the way. But the person I was with, uh, wanted me to leave it and myself right out in the middle of the entrance and I wasn't comfortable with that and they felt that everyone else behaves in such a way so why shouldn't I? But my thinking is is that if we think other people are behaving in a negative fashion and if we think that that's not how one should behave or how we wish they would behave, then why should we perpetuate that behavior? They may not notice that I took the, the time or the effort to pull all the way in at that instant, uh, and it would take you know, a few seconds difference or, or what have you to unload the groceries in a different way, but does it really matter? And if they did, then wouldn't that have set a positive example that maybe would have been carried forward, at least by one person? And if they then carried that example forward, maybe someone else would see them. I guess I don't think that every interaction is about a transaction, and I don't think that it's always about consequences or fear or shame or even status. Because if I can do something for someone 
and it benefits them, even if they have no idea that I exist, no idea that I did that for them, then there's still good happening in the world. And the only transaction I need is to know that it happened, that it's going in the direction that I want it to go, rather than me needing to adjust and redefine what it is that I'm doing so that it does go in the direction I want it to go. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't want my efforts to be in vain. I'm not sure if there is such a thing as true altruism because I think to some extent we do it so that we feel good about ourselves or we feel good with what we did or, or, or that kind of thing. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And in a way, I think there is a kind of transaction, and it's almost a transaction with ourselves. But it's not so much about fear or shame or, or even status. It's about, it's about leveling up from our previous version of ourselves. I think we have to remember that we live in community. And that community can be large, but it can also be these smaller entities within the larger. But I think having a healthy community is very difficult if we are not healthy ourselves, which it almost sounds like counterintuitive, but I think in, in doing self-care, in being, quote, selfish in the right ways, it allows us to be able to give to others that we wouldn't be able to give in, in a way that is as, as beneficial. I wonder who we would be, what our communities would look like if we could, if we could section ourselves into small communities, if we could detox ourselves from technology for periods of time, and if we could, if we could take time out to heal our, our past, heal any pain, any things that we've gone through, and, and then seek to benefit the community. Because by looking out, then it can be healing for us as well. I think if we're brought up in, if we live in a community where everyone cares for each other, who, who gives to each other without a, a transaction in mind, uh, whether a physical transaction uh, kind of, of mentality, th then we don't have to be taught, uh, encouraged, exhorted to, to be kind. It just is a part of how we are. I think we have it in us. Whenever we have a, a natural disaster or bad weather, we come out for each other, we help each other. That is who we are. If we see a car accident and the authorities haven't arrived yet, we stop and we help. It's, we don't keep driving. That is who we are. We're not standing there with our palm open, expecting someone to hand us something in order for us to pull them from the wreckage. So why do we expect that and want that in our day-to-day -day lives? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that there is, 
There is a desire to do and give for others, but there is also a point when when we realize when someone's taking advantage of that and we decide no more. Because then it's no longer a gift. It's no longer it's it's just expected. And when it's expected by a stranger, that's one thing. You can give them the gift and smile graciously and hope one day they understand. But when it's someone who continually takes advantage, then it's then it's different. It's not a gift. It's not something they'll understand. It's something they're knowingly taking. Something they're not appreciating. They're not seeing, they're not respecting, they're not acknowledging. They're just simply taking. Do we need lessons on how to be kind, nice? On why to be kind and nice? Do we need an impetus, a short-term reason, or a long-term drive? Can leveling up from a previous version of ourselves be enough? Being better than the version before? Or do we need status? Do we need fear and shame? Are those the only ways? Do we need a transaction of some kind? Must we get something in order to be kind? And if we do need to get something, what is the minimum thing? What is the smallest thing, the minimum amount of something so that we can and will be kind to each other? What's your answer? Thanks for listening. In today's episode, you heard music from Vortex entitled Memoir of Solitude from the Free Music Archive under a Creative Commons license. The details can be found on the episode description.